But I want to minister to you about the blood of Jesus. And I, I call this message blood benefits. I mean, there's a whole lot of benefits that come our way because of the blood of Jesus. And, and I want to stir you up. I want to remind you of some things. And there are some things that you might have heard before and say, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. And some things you'll hear tonight that you say, whoa. I never looked at it that way. But I believe that by the Spirit of God, by the by what the Ephesians 1 describes as the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that there's going to be something very special and wonderful taking place, and that the Lord is going to open up His Word to us in a very real and a very mighty way. Uh, first of all, let's go ahead and uh, look at a few verses here. First Peter chapter 1. And verse 1 and 2, this is First Peter 1, 1 and 2, and it reads as follows. Uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Hebrews 12, 24, another verse I want to read right now, says to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. I want you to realize tonight that the shedding of Jesus' blood was done once and for all. Thank God he doesn't have to be crucified again. Thank God that there is never a time where, where he will have to go to the cross again. What he did, he did once and for all. The blood is shed, that's one and done. But I want you to realize this, that the, the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus is, is something that actually can be done continuously. The sprinkling of Jesus' blood, I would like to also use the term the applying of Jesus' blood. His blood has been shed, but we can continually be in a position to apply that blood, to sprinkle that blood in the various situations of our life where we need the blood to help us, where we need the blood to cleanse us, where we need the blood to protect Protect us. Come on, somebody. And so you can apply the blood of Jesus to yourself, to your family, to your property. And how do you do this? How do you sprinkle that blood? How do you apply that blood? Well, I want you to know that you can do it with the words of your mouth. You know, the book of Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 says this, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. So I want you to know that with the words of your mouth, with the word of your testimony, you can apply the blood of the lamb to the various situations of your life to the various needs, where there's a need for protection, where there's a need for help, where, where there's a need for, for uh, something to be guarded. There's a need for a wall. <laughs> you know, somebody uh, has taken their, their blood walk around the wall, around the property of their house and said, yep, there's a bloodline here and ain't nothing going to go ahead and cross this bloodline that's going to go ahead and succeed against my house, my property, my goods, myself, my family, or anything else. Hallelujah. There's power in this. And I want you to realize that when you combine two insights of the Word of God, 
God. The power of the blood along with the power of the words that you speak and you combine them together. What an amazing thing. Because we know there's power in the blood. We know there's power in the words that we speak. We know that the Lord Jesus himself said that when we speak to a mountain, command it to be moved and do not doubt in our heart, but believe that what we say will come to pass that we'll have whatever we say. When you combine those two together, my, what a powerful force that is. When you've got somebody who's confidently speaking the blood into a situation, the blood of Jesus into a family member, the blood of Jesus into a a set of circumstances, I tell you, there's such power in the blood. And if there's anything If there's anything that Satan himself is deathly afraid of, he's afraid of the blood of Jesus. And I want you to know that this is your weapon from God. That which cleanses you, that which redeems you, hallelujah, but also that which the enemy is so absolutely afraid of because it was the moment that spelled his ultimate doom, hallelujah. And so let me talk to you a little bit about exercising faith in the blood. And we're laying a foundation before we get into the benefits. But when you talk about exercising faith in the blood, you got to realize this, that the idea of exercising faith is not some kind of uh, something where you just sit back and let it happen. No, it is an active thing. It is something that you're actively participating in. When you're exercising your faith, you're, you're doing something. You're saying something. Your, your faith is being released either by your words or your actions, or in most cases, both your words and your actions. And, and, and so it, when we are using faith in the blood of Jesus, we're, we're going and, uh, uh, and, and exercising the the same way what we're doing is we're exercising faith uh, in the blood through our words and through our deeds you know Romans 3 25 says that uh, uh, that God has set forth uh, Jesus as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. And, and that, that word propitiation, uh, the, the Greek word for it really means, uh, mercy seat. Uh, you know, the, the same mercy seat that's described in the Old Testament, in the, in, in the Holy of Holies, that mercy seat. But, but the, the English word for propitiate uh, from which we get the word propitiation, is really one that means to win or to regain the favor of. And I want you to think that by means of the blood of Jesus that we're in a position to regain the favor of God, where we once had favor with God, we once were connected with God. Man sinned and fell short of the glory of God. But by this means of the cleansing of the blood and the the status restoration that takes place because of the blood. Woo! Status restoration. Come on, somebody. I'm going to wave at you tonight. That's good. That's something that happens by the Spirit of God, by the blood of Jesus. When you, though you were disconnected from God, you have a status restoration that takes place by the blood. And you are once again in connection, in fellowship with Almighty God. 
You are winning or regaining the favor of God. You once were in his favor. You, you, you fell out of favor due to sin. But now through the blood of Jesus and that precious gift of righteousness, you restored to favor. You know, the, the King James of Romans 3.25 says that God has set forth Jesus to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Does anybody out there have faith in the blood of Jesus tonight? Faith in the, the one who shed that blood and faith in what that blood can do for you when it is applied to the situations and the circumstances and the people in your life. Hallelujah. Um, this is a rendering of the same verse out of the Phillips translation that I think is fascinating and I want to show you tonight. It says that God has appointed him, that being Jesus, as the means of propitiation. Now listen to this. A propitiation that is accomplished by the shedding of his blood to be received and made effective in ourselves by faith. Woo, let me read it to you again. A propitiation that is accomplished by the shedding of Jesus' blood, but it's to be received and made effective in ourselves by faith. Now, it is our faith in the blood, our faith in Jesus' blood, which causes the blessings that the blood brings to be received by us and made effective in us. It is our faith in the blood which causes the blessings that the blood brings to be received by us and made effective in us. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and stay along this line for a minute of faith in the blood. You, you know what? This is not a, a new concept. This is not a, a New Testament concept. This, this idea of having faith in the blood was around long time ago. As a matter of fact, go back to the dawn of human creation. You see Adam and, and Eve, and, and then their sons, Cain and Abel. But listen to the words that the New Testament reveals to us about Abel in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. It says that by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Now listen to this, that by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And I want you to realize this, that the uh, what was offered to, to God by Abel, you see, Cain brought the fruit of the ground, but Abel brought a, a, a lamb to sacrifice. And I'll tell you, there's something that's so beautiful about this picture, that as he brought the lamb to sacrifice, a spotless lamb, the first, the best of his flock, and he brought that and honored God with that, that there's something about that that, that, that was, God was pleased. God was so pleased with this sacrifice. And you see, in, the, in that in that spirit, I want you to read this, that, that God was pleased with the sacrifice that Abel brought, that, that perfect lamb, that, that, that best of the flock that he brought. And he did this by faith. So faith in the blood was around a long time ago. Except in that case, Jesus not having yet come, it was the, the, the blood of an innocent lamb, an innocent animal that was... Uh, temporarily covering the situation 
until the point in time where Jesus came, where he wasn't just temporarily covering the situation anymore, but fully dealing with the situation all the way down to the root of the situation and settling the issue once and for all. Glory to God. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. Did you ever realize this, that Abel was called a prophet by Jesus? Now, there's not even any recorded words that Abel spoke in Genesis 4. There's no recorded words that he spoke. You say, how can you be a prophet when you never uttered a word? But you see, Jesus in the Gospel of Luke called him a prophet. And I want you to realize this, that, that the reason Abel is a prophet is that his actions and, and it, what he acted out and the thing that he did that, that uh, just rang out like an echo through the ages is a sign of the very thing that was to come that was going to go ahead and save us from the mess that his parents got us into. That mess called sin. Uh, that the, the, the sacrifice of an innocent lamb was going to be the very means whereby mankind is redeemed. Hallelujah. But in this case, the lamb was not going to be a, a little furry bundle like the one that he sacrificed. But in this case here, that lamb was going to be the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And how did he do this? Hebrews 11.4 says that he offered this to God, this more excellent sacrifice. He offered it to God by faith. Right there in Hebrews 11, we also see this about Moses, that by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Can you imagine this, that Moses, by faith, was applying the blood of that spotless innocent lamb to, to the doorposts of his house. And all the other children of Israel were going ahead and doing the same thing, applying that blood to the, to the top uh, uh, part of the door and the, the lentils on the side. And, and, and th- they were uh, making a declaration by so doing that they were in agreement with God, in cooperation with God, obeying God, and that by so doing that they had protection. That even though there was a, the angel of death that was coming through Egypt to smite all the firstborn of the Egyptians, but where there was blood on the door, God said these words, where I see the blood, I will pass over. Hallelujah. And I want you to realize this. This is an amazing thing that Moses, by faith, kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. Because even back then, he was exercising faith in the blood. Of course, he was exercising faith in the type of him who was to come. Faith in the type of the ultimate Lamb of God who would come and take away the sins of the world. You know, Hebrews 10, we we, we read this. It says, therefore, uh, verse 19 through 22 of Hebrews 10, says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Once again, we see there the idea of faith in the blood, 
that we've got boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Where do you get that kind of confidence from and that kind of boldness from that you can go ahead and walk right into the very holy of holies, the throne room of God, like you belong there. You get that kind of boldness because of the blood. You are drawing near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. I mean, you're not almost there, but not quite. You're not kind of on the edge of maybe. No, this is full assurance of faith. And you have that because your heart's been sprinkled (laughs) with the blood of the Lamb. What are some of these blood benefits we get since we're talking about blood benefits tonight? I wanted to go ahead and lay that foundation of, of the importance of having faith in the blood. And, and the, the, the means by which you are applying the blood is you're speaking the blood into a situation. You overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. But now let's look at some of these blood benefits that we have. Glory to God. First of all, how about total cleansing? Man, I'll tell you what, it sure feels good when, uh, for, for somebody who, who's done wrong and somebody who's gone against their, their conscience, they know inside they've blown it. They know inside that they've more than blown it. It's not like they accidentally ran the red light, though they just purposefully, intentionally ran the red light. And, and, and we've all fallen short. We've all made a mess out of our lives. We, we've all were born into this world. And already, though, though you were a cute little baby, but right from the start, you were off. And the reason why you were off is because you were born into this world with the same mess that Adam had that was passed down to the next generation and passed down to the next generation and passed down to the next generation. And what you needed to have was an encounter with the last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that rather than being infected with what the first Adam had that made a mess out of the human race, you could be blessed with the righteousness of the last Adam and be restored to God. Hallelujah. Zechariah 13.1, I love this. It says, in that day a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. For sin and for uncleanness. Think about this, a fountain for sin and for uncleanness. What kind of fountain could do that? You know, a fountain of water could help you take a bath. But a fountain of water could not do anything about your sin and your uncleanness. But I want you to realize today that this fountain is a fountain of blood. Just like the songwriter who wrote the song, there is a fountain filled with blood that's drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners that are plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty sins. You may have heard that song. You may have not heard that song. But the bottom line is this. There is a fountain. And that fountain of the blood of Jesus can wash us and cleanse us from all our sin and our uncleanness. You know, we read in 1 John 1 7 that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. When we're walking in the light and having fellowship with, with one another. We realize this, that, that uh, uh, when John the Baptist was down at the River Jordan and Jesus came to him, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Remember that? Jesus, right there in the Jordan River, uh, that declaration was made of him, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And you know what's fascinating is that, that very location there was another instance that took place years before 
that was a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right there in that same river. Because I want you to know that when the children of Israel were crossing over the Jordan to go into the promised land, something very significant happened. That as soon as the priest stepped in there, whoo, the waters opened up. And I want you to listen to some of the details of how the waters opened up in this very same location where Jesus was proclaimed the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The scripture says, and I'm reading Joshua 3.16 out of the New Living Translation. Hey, no coincidence it's a 3.16 verse because it's another way of seeing John 3.16 as far as I'm concerned. The scripture says here, the water above that point, talking where the people went in the water, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam. Hmm, isn't that interesting? So all the way back to a town called Adam, which uh, uh, th- th- those who are scholars actually believe was something that Adam himself, the first man, actually built. So you got the water at one point going all the way back to the town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. I want you to realize this, that this beautiful picture shows us this, that as they were crossing that river at that same location where years later Jesus would be proclaimed the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, that that water was backed up on one side all the way back to this town called Adam, and all that other water flowed right into the sea. Glory to God. And it's a beautiful picture of what the Lamb of God did for us how he dealt with the mess all the way back to Adam and he took all of our sins and cast it into the sea. Is there somebody at home tonight that is pumped about that? Hallelujah. You know, Micah 7, 19 says this. He'll have, uh, uh, he will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Hallelujah. I'm so glad about it today. We have cleansing, total cleansing by the blood of Jesus. You know, the thing that is ultimately going to open the door for us to to walk into our reward, to, to walk in to the gates of that city, is this. Revelation 22, 14, out of the New American Standard Bible. The New American Standard Bible reads as such. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Hallelujah so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Well, what are you washing your robe in? Well, I tell you, if you got a robe that you wear around the house, yeah, you might be using your detergent for that. But the robe that you need to wear when it comes to eternity, there's only one detergent for that one, and that is the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to realize this. Talk about total cleansing, that you can be cleansed to such a point where your conscience is made so clean by the blood of the Lamb that there remains no more evidence for your sin. I mean, talk about total cleansing, thorough cleansing, that you can be to the point where there's just no more evidence. Think about this, that the Apostle Paul, who was once a persecutor and a murderer of Christians, would be able to actually make this statement in the book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 26 that he was innocent of the blood of all men. How is that possible? 
How somebody who's already been a murderer able to say that he's innocent of the blood of all men? Because that is how thorough and that is how total the cleansing of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is. Hallelujah. Let's take a look at some more benefits here. Let's talk about the benefit of redemption. The act of redeeming to buy back where, where you were bought back. You were once the Lord's. You, you went into the, 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 uh, the grasp of the enemy and, and to the, the slavery and the imprisonment of the enemy. And then the Lord himself would redeem you, would buy you back to himself. What an awesome truth this is. And the word is loaded with it. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. How about Ephesians 1, 7 that says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And you hear an echo of the same thing in Colossians 1, 14, where it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We know this from the book of Hebrews and the ninth chapter, that Jesus with his own blood entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. He didn't just buy us back for a little while. No, this is eternal redemption. Hallelujah. This is his commitment to you, that, that he is eternally committed to you. That he, talk about being eternally committed, he lives forever to make intercession for you. I mean, he made an eternal commitment to you. Hallelujah. And so I say, if he's that committed to you, how committed should we be to him? You know, how about First Peter chapter 1? You know, you could be bought back, but, but what was the, the means uh, of the, the, or the merchandise wherewith this transaction took place? First Peter chapter 1 describes it, says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So it wasn't money, because no money could redeem you. No money could buy you back from the mess that you were in, the mess that I was in, the mess that we were in. But oh, it was the blood of Jesus that paid the ultimate price, that was able to get you from being in the clutches of the enemy back to being in the loving arms of the Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. And, and think about this picture that Revelation describes. A picture of a day when all of God's people from everywhere are gathered together and listen to what they'll have to say. This is Revelation chapter 5 verse 9. It says, and they sang a song, a new song, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you are slain and have redeemed us to God, by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. That is so awesome. And you know who they were saying this tribute to? You know who they were honoring here? They were honoring the Lamb himself. They said that you have redeemed us 
to God the Father by your blood. They were honoring the Lamb. And they were gathered there from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Glory to his holy name. Well, let's see. We got total cleansing. We got redemption. How about this? Access. You have access to God, to the very throne of God. And this is the way you have the access. You know, this is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. This says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You are near. You've been brought near. You're not far off anymore. You're near. You're close because of the blood of Christ. You know, in Paul, uh, in chapter 1 of Colossians, Paul said that Jesus had made peace through the blood of his cross and that in the body of his flesh through death that, that he, he has used that to present us holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Hallelujah. So think about this, that he made peace through the blood of his cross. That means that there's no longer need for, for there to be enmity between us and God. There's no longer a need for, for there to be a gap between us and God, as though there's something between us that needs to be reconciled. No, we are reconciled now by his blood. Hallelujah. We've been reconciled, and now we have access to him. We have full access to him. As we read earlier and we read again now, Hebrews 10, 19, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. My friend, that is access. That is absolute access to enter the holiest by the blood of the lamb. Let's talk for a minute about the Passover lamb. I think that it's very important for us to be able to get a picture of how the Old and the New Testament connect together. And we hear so much about the Passover and the sacrifice of the Passover lamb, but how does that relate to Jesus? And so I just want to show you a few highlights on that uh, real quick that I think will be a blessing to you. First of all, uh, in, the, in the, the Old Testament for the Passover lamb, it said that the lamb must be without blemish. And here, talking about the Christ, it, it talks about the precious blood of Christ and that he is as a lamb without blemish and without spot. We see that the Passover was a memorial feast. Uh, the, the Lord instructed, this day shall be to you a memorial. But I want you to know, when we partake of the Lord's Supper together, and, and we celebrate the breaking of his bread, uh, of, of his body through the bread, and the shedding of his blood through the cup that we drink, that is a memorial feast. That is something that we're instructed to do by Jesus, the head of the church, that is done in remembrance of him. Think about this, that Passover lamb, very specific d directions were given. And in Exodus 12, it reads, nor shall you break one of its bones. So this lamb could not have any of its bones broken. And then when we read about Jesus being crucified over in John 19 and verse 33 and 36, it says that when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. And then verse 36 reads, for these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. 
Not one of his bones shall be broken. So we see these beautiful parallels between the Passover lamb and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that leads us to this. That that if Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover lamb, then what other benefit do we get that the Passover lamb brought to the people of Israel? And that would be the benefit of protection. And what a truth to meditate on. What a truth to get a hold of in the middle of the madness of this world right now. Protection through the blood. You see, the lamb's blood was applied to the doorpost for protection. Exodus 12, verse 22 and 23 reads as follows. You shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel on the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. When he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your house. Now, 1 Corinthians 5, 7 in the Amplified Classic very simply declares that Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. That's amazing. It absolutely without any question, identifies who fulfilled this picture that this Passover lamb was pointing to. This Passover lamb was absolutely fulfilled in Jesus. And so Jesus, our Passover lamb, in the same way that the children of Israel could apply the blood of that physical lamb, that little furry bundle, like we said earlier, and take that blood and apply it to their doorposts and be kept safe from the, 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 the enemy's attack, to be kept safe from the death angel, to be kept safe from that which was looking and lurking and seeking whom it may devour. But I want you to realize this, glory be to God, that today in this day, that with the authority that God's given you by your words, that as you're overcoming the enemy with, with the blood of the Lamb and with the word of your testimony, you can speak the blood over your situation. You can stand at your door and you can say, hey, Corona, you may go to the house next door and you may go to the house down the street, but I'm going to tell you right now, the blood of Jesus is on my doorpost. You are not. Don't think about it. Don't even dream about it. You are not coming in my house. You're not affecting me. You're not affecting my family. You can say that to coronavirus or any other virus or any sickness or disease. You say that. You say it boldly. You say it with faith. You feed on this. Get this in you. Believe it. Speak it in faith. Glory to God. And you say, I want to make it known here. Even if you're talking out loud and your neighbor's wondering about you, who cares? You're going to be safe. You're going to be guarded. You're going to be protected. As I say boldly, glory to God, the blood of the lamb is on the doorpost of my house. And ain't nothing coming in my house that's going to kill and steal and destroy and devour. No, no, no. That which wants to come in and do that is going to bounce off my door and have to go somewhere else. Because the blood, 
the blood of the Lamb is here. And the blood of the Lamb is protecting me and guarding me. And I have um, uh, protection. I have inoculation, if that's the right word, because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. How about this? How about the reversal of curses? Is that a benefit? When you have something that's been a curse that gets reversed, you know what? A curse that gets reversed is a blessing. Because, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, a two-way street. You, you know, this direction might be the curse direction. Uh, this direction here is the blessing direction. You get a curse reversed, it's a blessing. Hallelujah. And, and you know, Romans 5 and verse 9 says this. Uh, much more than having been now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And I'll tell you, one, one of the, talking about a curse, we were doomed. We were absolutely doomed. There was no way out. We were bound to experience the wrath of God. But I want you to know, Jesus traded cups with us. Hey, did you know that? Because, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was talking about a cup. You remember that? Jesus was talking about this cup when he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass away from me. That cup was the cup of the wrath of God. That was the wrath of God that would have otherwise come on us if it weren't for Jesus who drank that cup on our behalf. Woo, hallelujah. Somebody's getting this tonight. I feel it right here. Somebody in your house where you're at is getting this tonight. So you're saved from wrath because the wrath of God came upon Jesus. Jesus drank the cup that was filled with the wrath of God that was ultimately our destiny. But instead, he traded cups. He drank that cup. And what kind of cup did you get out of it? You got the cup of blessing. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 16 Talks, talks about this. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So the, the, the cup that, that, that we share during time of communion, during time of having the Lord's table together, that is called by the Holy Bible the cup of blessing. And instead of having to drink the cup of God's wrath, you instead get to read the, uh, get to drink the cup of blessing. I would say that is a curse reversal, somebody. Praise the Lord. Now, how about this? This is 1 Corinthians 11, 27 to 30, where Paul's talking about the Lord's table, and, and he's talking about some very serious things about the Lord's table, about the idea of approaching it with the right heart and the right attitude. And he says this in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, starting with verse 27. He said, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Now, it's interesting. Here, we're seeing uh, what a picture is like for when you don't do it the right way. For when somebody's not uh, uh, approaching the Lord's table in a worthy manner. But the reverse of that is true. What if you are approaching the, 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 the body and the blood of the Lamb with, with honor and with respect and with, with, the, with the right heart and with the right attitude where you're honoring His physical broken body? 
that was broken for you. When you're honoring the body of Christ worldwide and recognizing your brothers and sisters as being members of you, all members of the same body. When you go ahead and, and honor and esteem the blood and the, uh, the, the body of Christ in the correct way, then these things that look like negatives, glory to God, actually turn out to be positives for you. What are we talking about here? Let's take a look, glory to God. It says this, that, that if you are doing this in an improper way, that you are eating and drinking judgment to yourself. Well, if you do it the right way rather than judgment, you're eating and drinking mercy and grace to yourself. Hallelujah. It's the opposite. It's the reverse of what would happen if you did it incorrectly. And think about this, that, that for the very reason for people not properly and worthily partaking of the Lord's table, for that cause many are weak, sickly, and sleep. Or you might say, and most scholars would agree, that sleep is a reference to death in idiom used to describe death, and really a premature death, somebody dying before their time. Well, if the curse would be to be weak and sick and die prematurely, what would the blessing be? The blessing would be to be strong and healthy and live your full life out here on the earth. Glory to God. Because if doing it wrong would produce the results we read, then doing it right would have to produce the opposite results. So rather than being weak and sick and dying before our time, we can be strong and healthy and live out our full life here on earth. Glory to God. You see, the curse is reversed because of the blood. Remember the ultimate curse that was pronounced back in the very beginning? You see the time when, 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 when God said that, that, that because of sin, that, that thorns were going to be produced from the ground. Remember that way back in Genesis? But now, those thorns that, that were produced from the ground, where, where, where productivity was hindered, where, where, where now he, he's, uh, Adam had to work so hard, where it once was so easy, and now he has to work hard to get the ground to work for him. And that ground's producing thorns and thistles. But I want you to realize this. The Lamb of God wore a crown of thorns on his head. And I want you to know that when the blood came in contact with the thorns, whoo, think about this. That was a moment where curse reversal was taking place. Because that, that idea of the thorns was part of the curse. Part of the curse that happened at the fall. Part of the curse that came on the earth. But when, when the blood of Jesus touched those thorns, there was a declaration made that the, the very thing that was the, the curse, the very thing that happened because of sin entering into the world can now be reversed. And now, rather than your life producing thorns and your life being fruitless and a mess, you can have a life that abounds with blessing and produces good fruit. Glory to God. Reminds me of the words of the song, Joy to the World, one of the verses. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. That's awesome. That's the Jesus that we've come here to celebrate tonight. He is uh, totally cleansing you with his blood. He's 
redeeming you. He's giving you access. He's reversing the curse. He's protecting you. And I want you to know this is all available to all of you. But the first step, some of you may not have taken the first step. You may not have taken that first step to call Jesus your Lord, to believe that he died for you and that he was buried and that three days later, God raised him from the dead. But if you haven't done that yet, this is your night. And so I want you right now, wherever you are, whether you want to receive Jesus into your heart for the first time or whether you want to go ahead and come back home, this is so very important. Because you have no way of getting home apart from what we've talked about tonight. Apart from the blood, you could have no standing. Apart from the blood, you could not stand before God. You could not have access to him. But by the blood, by the cleansing of the blood, by the washing of that blood, all the guilt, all the stain, all the mess, all the mistakes can be gone just like that. That's the power of the blood. If that's you, let's pray right now.